we've been involved in worshiping God this morning in various ways. We, we've worshipped Him as we've come together prior to the service, even starting and just encouraging one another and sharing our lives with one another. We've even worshipped Him during announcements because you had a chance to sign up for ministry, to say, I want to serve whenever, however I can. We've worshipped Him in music. We've worshipped Him in giving. We've worshipped Him in praying. We've worshipped Him from just the innermost parts of our heart. Now we're going to worship Him by listening to His Word and His Spirit. Please hear that carefully. Not listening to me, but listening to His Word and His Spirit as He speaks to you. And before we look at His Word, I want us to worship Him another way this morning, in silence. I just want you to take a moment... Heads bowed, eyes closed, or heads up and eyes open. You find your place of quietness and just silently express your appreciation to the Father. Father, you are so good. And you took my place, our place on the cross. Fathers, we worshiped. I literally could see your spirit moving and people ministering to one another. It's good to be in your house today. Father, there are some who can't be here today because of illness or they're out of town. Bless them wherever they are. Send someone to encourage them just as you've sent some here today to encourage us. And now, Father, speak to us through your word. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our very souls. Speak to our minds. And then transform us to be like you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're beginning to wrap up the time I'm going to be with you. And um, several have asked this morning. I'm going to be with you a couple of more Sundays. I want to wrap up some some things. We've been going along since right at the end of December. I began to uh, to just share with you some things on, on, on discipleship. Because God wants to do something marvelous in this place in the future just like he's doing now and as he has done in the past and we started out with new year's revelations where i just encourage you to get up every day and report for duty and then spend time with him and then go out and speak words of encouragement to folks and share the gospel to speak life to people along the way 
And then we took a little bit deeper in, in talking about if, if, we're, if we're really going to train ourselves in godliness, as the Scripture says we're to do, we need to have a, a healthy appetite. We need to get into the Word and just feast upon it. We need to have a healthy attitude that we understand the goal that He has for us to be His followers, His disciples, to bring Him glory. And then to have heavy, uh, healthy affections. We do this whole process of what we're doing not so folks will look at us and say wow look at them but so that we praise God and God gets all of the glory and then as we begin to do that I shared with you last week we can be a great church we have been in the past I believe we are now but I believe you haven't seen anything yet about what God really wants to do. And, and to see His great power fall on us and to, to be enveloped by His great grace, which will cause us to then have a great fear, a reverence, a respect, that when He says something in the Word, we better pay attention to it rather than just go, oh, wasn't that sweet, and pass on by it. And as we begin to live different, there will be great persecution. They won't be mad at you. They'll be mad at what you represent, the Father who is wanting to do a good work in them. And they don't want it. And persecution will come. But always when you see that happening, and it's happening now in other parts of the world, and I see it happening again, not just because it was recorded in the Scripture, but it's, it's happening now. There is a great joy that erupts when people face persecution. Normally we look at it and say, boy, I'm, that's, that's going to be a tough time. Yeah, it will be. But a joy will erupt. Just like those disciples that said on that first day, wow, we count ourselves fortunate to suffer this because we are related to Christ and to Him be the glory. You read about that in Acts. And then when that begins to happen, you'll see great numbers beginning to happen. I shared with you last week about a couple of times, and I want to share with you about the big metropolitan church that I was in at one point. I also mentioned I was in a smaller church one time too where I saw that happen. And when I was on staff there, it was a little community, about 2,500. We finally got up to about 3,000 in the oil boom days of that part of the country. And... Every Sunday, averaging, gathering 500 people in that little town to worship God and to watch people get saved and, and to see lives transformed. And that's what I want to see for us. I want to take it farther in these next two weeks with you before I wrap everything up with a word for you on the 10th of February. I want to talk to you about what God says about soaring. I invite you to turn in your scriptures to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Because in some ways we uh, are like the, these folks that Isaiah was writing to. They, they were in captivity, but uh, we're not in captivity, but there is an oppression against us even right now in our country and against what Christ stands for. 
And I love what Isaiah heard from God and he gave to the people that is a message for us today. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. It says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As Isaiah was delivering this message to these folks that in exile, he wasn't trying to rally their spirits and say, hey, don't be defeated by this. No, he wasn't trying to accomplish that. What he was doing was says, let me tell you about the God who loves us and the God we serve. That's where I want you to go. And look, he is the God of time and space. The Lord is the everlasting God over all of time, over all of eternity. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. Everything that we see, he has created. Time and space. And he says, listen, you'll get tired, you'll get weary, you will stumble, you will fall. I'm there with you because I don't. And I will lift you up. And I want to share a word with you in these next couple of Sundays about what he says there. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. That's my life verse. That's the one I keep going back to. You go down my man cave and you're going to see two things all over the place. Shalom in all different languages and colors and shapes and articles. But you will see a basement full of eagle pictures and photos and everything I can lay my hands on. Because the eagle represents what God wants you to be. And I want us to look at that, but before we really begin to unpack the eagle, a couple of quotes. First one, I don't know who said it, but they were spot on when they said it. You can't fly on wings like eagles when you hang around with the turkeys. Now you think about it. Turkeys are on the ground and they're pecking around, and yet they can fly, but they don't fly very high and they don't fly very far, and they make a horrible racket when they try to. And here's another quote. Um, got this one. William Henry Hudson said this one. You can't fly like an eagle with wings of a wren. A wren is a tiny little bird. Not much strength there. And you can't soar like an eagle if your wings are like the wings of a wren. 
I want us to look at this because a long time ago in my ministry, and I'll be honest with you, this message I've preached before, and I will preach again, Lord willing, and it's my claim to fame. It's the only sermon I've ever preached where somebody said, boy, I wish you'd preach that again. Everybody else said, boy, I'm glad you're done with that one. Let's move on. (laughs) But this one, and maybe it's because I'm so passionate about it because what God taught me when I started trying to unpack, what, what is it about the eagle? Why would God say that? And I discovered some things, some things I really didn't believe when I read about them, and I got a chance to be with someone who really studies and knows eagles and he said in one of my messages, and he came up to me afterwards, and he said, I am an eagle expert. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> and I said, did I tell the truth? And he said, you spoke the truth with accuracy. Keep speaking the truth about the eagle. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. I just want you to go there. We'll get there in a moment. Put your finger there and listen to the first characteristic of an eagle. Listen, an eagle was built for flight. Now you say, that's pretty obvious. Think about it. The eagle is only happy when he is flying to the ultimate of his happiness. But the eagle is built for flight in that the way that that God constructed his his, uh, network of bones and and the feathers and everything, that literally, if he will spread his wings and just literally jump up off the perch without ever flapping a wink, wing, he can catch the wind and soar and go to heights beyond our imagination. Every other bird works at it. And they flap and they fly with effort. But not the eagle. The eagle was built for flight. That's what he was built for. And so are you. You were built for flight in Christ. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. A familiar passage of Scripture. But listen to it with your heart, not just your ears. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, slaughter. No! You are more than conquerors. You were built for flight. To go through this world under His power, not yours, His He built you that way in your very inner being. And He just wants to release that in you. But you have to submit yourself to Him so that it can be released and become part of who you are. You were built for flight. But here's a second characteristic. 
The eagle was built for repose. The eagle was built to rest. Flip over to Hebrews. And again, just park your finger there. And we'll get to it in a moment. But the eagle was built for repose. There is no other... By the way, some of you are looking at me and I didn't tell you. Hebrews chapter 3, okay? Hebrews, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4. And we'll start with verse 3. But listen, you were, the eagle was built for repose. The more the eagle relaxes and rests, the more secure he is. It is said that as the eagle begins on his perch or on a rock and he takes a rest period and falls asleep, what happens when you fall asleep in a chair? You, you make Gumby look like he's stiff as a board. Not the eagle. The more he relaxes, his talons just absolutely grip. And he can't be dislodged. He was built for rest. Here's one. We haven't quite proved yet, but there's a lot of things that are pointing toward this direction and folks not figured out quite sure how to prove it yet. But the experts say that they really believe that an eagle is able to lock his wings on the soar and fall asleep while he flies. Now that's resting. That's resting in the one who made him to say, you will take care of me as I rest in you. Hebrews chapter 4. The same is true about you. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. He said, some folks won't do that. But look what he says, going down to verse 9 of chapter 4 of Hebrews. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter into that rest. Do you know what Adam and Eve did the first full day after they were created? Anybody know? I'm not sure, are you? Most folks I ask that question not halfway through a message like this. They'll say, they went to work because God gave them the charge to take care of this. No, I don't think they did. What did God do on the seventh day? He rested. Do you really think Adam and Eve said, okay, God, thanks for creating me. I know you're resting, but we're going to go to work. I don't think so. I think their first day, they just rested in the presence of their Creator. You ever wondered why the Scripture says, and it was evening and morning of the first day? 
Instead of saying it's morning and evening, go back and read it in chapter 1 of Genesis. It says, and it was evening and morning of the first day. Listen, you were designed for rest. Just like you were designed for flight. And we rest in Him. And what He has done for us and who He is that we trust Him to take care of us. We turn on over to 1 John chapter 4 and put your finger there. Because the eagle was not only built for flight and built for rest, he was built for the storm. The eagle was built for the storm. Of all of the other birds of the feather, when the storm starts coming, they start looking for shelter. They go to their nest, they find a a cranny to get into, they get under some kind of covering. They are not built for the storm like the eagle. By the way, the eagle's ears are so perceptive to the storm approaching that he hears the storm coming even before it's visible. And you know what the eagle does? He gets up, he takes flight, and he heads straight for the storm. And I found that fascinating. We run. Others do too. The eagle says, I'm going to the storm. You know why? Because when he spreads those massive wings and he flies into the storm, there is a updraft. And he will ride the updraft until he is above the storm. I don't know how many times I've been flying cross-country and the pilot says, we're going to have to divert just a little bit. There's a thunderstorm ahead, and so we're going to divert, and we're going to go around it and all that. I'm going, wow, will this be the time I look out my window and I find the eagle above the storm? It's never going to happen. Too small, we're too far away. The pilots know the storm will wreck the plane. Thank you, pilots. But somewhere... There is that eagle that is above the storm using the storm to elevate them to that thin air in which only they can survive and they look down on the storm. Look what 1 John 4 says. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is greater in you is greater than he that is in the world. And that's why we can face the storms of life. Because it's not us, it's Him. And He elevates us to help us overcome that which is a tough time. And we can literally soar because we were built for flight and we have rested in Him. And now He uses the storm to elevate us so that we can see from His viewpoint what's going on over a matter of time. But the last characteristic I want to share with you today, and we'll pick up some more next week, is that the eagle was built for the solitary life. Go to John. John chapter 15. And put your finger there. 
The eagle is different than any other bird in that they are built for a solitary life. When an eagle mates, they mate for life. And the only way they separate is by death. You will see other flocks of birds in mass moving together. You won't see eagles in mass flying. Yes, you will see pictures where they come in and they land and they may eat and you will see maybe even a couple of dozen eagles together, but that's very unique. But that's not the point. They recognize they need one another, and we'll see that in a characteristic we're going to talk about next week. But their primary focus is that they were built for a solitary life. They mate with one other eagle, and they are together forever. And that's important for us to see how God has done that in us. We were built for a solitary life. Yes, we need each other. We need our families. We need the church. We need other believers to encourage us and help us. But that's not where our main emphasis lies. Look at John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nada. Ain't gonna happen. But with him, vine and branch together, united. That's how we exercise the flight. That's how we Understand the rest. The vine and the branch strengthens us to face the storm because it's what He does through us as we become one solitary life. Remember that verse of Scripture where we started? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. In another message where I talked about that word wait, the word wait in in the Hebrew language is a picture word. And when you say a word, it paints a picture. And when you hear the Hebrew word wait, it shows this picture of taking individual strands and beginning to wrap them together until they become a strong strand and then taking those strands and wrapping them together until they become a strong rope. And those of us who have learned to wait upon the Lord, we begin to intertwine ourselves so that we don't see where we end and He starts or He is and we begin. We just become one with Him. So from the very beginning, he's talked about this solitary life that he has built the eagle for, but he has built us for. Look at one other passage of Scripture. Go to uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
Paul, as he's writing to the church at Corinth, he says this uh, in verse 5 of chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. He's given an honest testimony. He says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant. You were built for a solitary life. You were built to be united with Christ, who unites you with the Father. And that unites you with the Spirit that then moves through you so that you are built for flight, you're built for rest, you're built for the storm because you are so entwined with Him. And you know Him. And you recognize, hey, I can do nothing when I'm separated from Him, but connected to Him. He works through me and all things become possible. And it's not how sufficient we are. It's how sufficient He is. And it all starts with Jesus. You were built for flight. You were built for repose. You were built for the storm. You were built to live a solitary life. You and Jesus so together that it's hard to tell where He ends and we start because we are beginning to look like Him as He transforms us. Do you know Him? The question is not do you know about Him? Do you know Him? Have you experienced the intertwining where you have said, Jesus, I am a sinner. And you paid the penalty for my sin, and therefore I ask you to come, forgive me for my sin, take residence in my life by the power of the Holy Spirit, and be my Savior and my Lord, my boss. Guide me, direct me, help me. I don't know where you are. But if you don't know Christ, I know you're missing the most important part of knowing Him. Those of you who know Him, are you really following Him? Are you really saying, man, I do report for duty every day and I, I am spending time with Him and I've got a healthy appetite. I just really, I can't get enough of the Word of God in me. Not so much that I get the Word of God in me, but that the Word of God gets in me starts transforming me. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your needs are. But I know that He is sufficient to meet your need. Let's pray. Father, speak to us. Let Your Word speak to us. Father, give us the courage to take that step of faith. Lord, without You, I can do nothing. There's no way I can preach this Word. There's no way I can teach this Word. There's no way I can love folks, encourage folks. I, I can't do that, Father. But You can. Thank You. Thank You. Father, move us from where we are to the next step in the journey. Whatever it may be. Speak to us clearly. 
And may we respond with obedience. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and just worship and respond as the musicians play and as we move on through this time. You respond. There will be some leaders up here at the front of the church that if you would need to speak with someone, we're here to to speak with you. If you need somebody to pray with you, we're here to pray with you. But the altar is open. Where you are, He's there. Talk to Him while we worship Him in response to what He has said to you today.